to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. The Lord is moving today. He's marching on and he is saving people. That's how the kingdom expands, by people coming into the kingdom. And God has called us and he wants to use us to play a part in that. And you know, here's the amazing thing. You never know to what extent God might use you. You never know. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Revelation. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, in a message titled, The Hallelujah Chorus. Now here's Pastor Brian. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Some of you are familiar with the Hallelujah Chorus, Handel's Messiah, and it's, it's there in the Hallelujah Chorus, or in, in Handel's Messiah, that that portion there that is known as the Hallelujah Chorus, a man named Charles Jennings, he's the one who actually arranged the lyrics for that um, great oratorio, as they call it. And he used the King James Bible and the Book of Common Prayer uh, all, all throughout the, the whole thing, the Messiah. Uh, that, that's what he used as his text. And when it comes to the Hallelujah Chorus, he combined the 15th verse of the 11th chapter of Revelation that we read, he combined that with the sixth verse of the 19th chapter of Revelation. And let me read those to you together, and then we'll see how the connection is made to the Hallelujah Chorus here. And so the the verse that we already read, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. And so if you can think of that in your mind, that as that builds, that hallelujah, hallelujah, and the Lord God Almighty, and, and all of that, that's right there in that just amazing uh piece of music, but when the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, there will be a shout of praise to the Lord like has never been heard before. And of course, that's what hallelujah means. It means praise the Lord. So there's going to be this this universal praise to the Lord when the kingdoms of this world finally become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And so what what I want to do today is I want to look at the kingdoms of this world, what has been, and the coming kingdom of Christ, what will be in the future, and show the, the contrast between the two. And also practically, you know, two things I think 
I, I want to sort of conclude from it is, number one, the, the tremendous hope that we have in the fact that there is a kingdom coming over which Christ will reign. And then secondly, since that is the case, that we have an opportunity today to experience that kingdom and to engage in the in advancement of the kingdom as we await the, the final realization of it when the Lord himself returns. So, so looking first at the kingdoms of this world for a moment, regardless of their outward attractiveness, their treasures, literature, art, buildings, monuments, those kinds of things that we so often think of when we think of the kingdoms of this world, regardless of all that, all kingdoms throughout all of history have been marked by oppression, injustice, inequality, cruelty, that, that has been the reality in every kingdom. Now, obviously, some more so than others, but to some degree, all kingdoms, empires, and nations share these negative traits. The historian Edward Gibbon, who wrote the classic, uh, The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, he said this. He said that history is little more than the register of the crimes, follies, and misfortunes of mankind. And when you think back over our history, that is pretty accurate. That, that's the reality, regardless of what things look like on the surface. Now, when we think of the kingdoms of this world, there are two views. There's, you know, kind of the, the view of man, if you will. Man looks at the kingdoms of this world and stands in awe of them. And then there's the view of God. Now, in the book of Daniel, and as we pointed out before, Daniel is very much a parallel to the book of Revelation. Daniel is kind of the Old Testament version, really, of the book of Revelation. But there in Daniel, in the second chapter, maybe you remember reading this, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And in this dream, he sees this image, this large image. It's the image of a man. And here's what it says about the image. It says that the image, it was a great image whose splendor was excellent and its form awesome. And, and that's kind of the way man has seen the kingdoms of the world. Awesome, excellent, the glory is impressive. And Nebuchadnezzar saw this image, and maybe you remember if you've read it over there, it had a head of gold, and then it had arms and, and or chest and arms of silver, and then it had uh, belly and thighs of bronze, and then the feet and uh, the legs and the feet were of um, iron and, and, and then of clay. But it was this magnificent image. And this is the way that man sees the kingdoms of this world. And Daniel himself has a vision that is the same vision that Nebuchadnezzar had, but it is shown in a completely different way. It's the same kingdoms that are being looked at, but they're not 
being seen as majestic and awesome, but they're actually being seen as ferocious beasts. In the seventh chapter of Daniel's prophecy, Daniel has a vision. And he has a vision, just as Nebuchadnezzar did, of the, the kingdoms that would come. But in Daniel's prophecy, rather than this glorious image, there was a winged lion. A lion is a ferocious beast. There was a devouring bear. There was a winged four-headed leopard. And these represented Babylon, Persia, Greece. And then there was one final kingdom that was considered and Daniel described it in this way. He said, and a fourth beast that was dreadful, terrible, and exceedingly strong with huge iron teeth, and it broke and crushed everything under its feet. So you see, that's, the, that's God's take on the kingdoms of this world. And that is the truth about the kingdoms of this world. That's what has happened all throughout the long history of man from one kingdom to another. You've had the same kinds of things, the oppression, the injustice, the inequality, the, the cruelty. It's always been there and it's still there today. But in contrast to that, there is a kingdom that is coming. And the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. We're talking about a repossession of the earth. Jesus is coming to take over the world. That's what he's coming to do. And we cannot forget that. It is such a massive part of the, of the biblical revelation. So much of scripture is talking about the, the fact of the Lord's return. Uh, we talk much about the Lord's first coming and we talk about the cross and the resurrection. And of course we do. That's the foundation for everything. And we can never neglect that or leave that out. But we don't want to overlook the fact that that is the foundation upon which the kingdom is to be established. The kingdom is yet to come. And so we of all people, we as his people, we need to be the ones that are living with the expectation of the establishing of this kingdom. Now, the kingdom of Christ could be described in a number of different ways, but Paul describes it in Romans 14, 17 in this way, and this is the, the description that I want to use. He describes the kingdom of God as righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul uses that to describe the current manifestation of the kingdom. So here's the thing that we need to remember, that the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God, this kingdom that is coming has already come partially, but it's going to come in its totality in the future. But on the individual level, we can enter the kingdom today, but this is just a foretaste of what is going to come in the future when the Lord actually establishes the kingdom. So it will be a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy. 
Let's just talk about those three things real quickly. It will be a kingdom of righteousness. What, when we talk about a kingdom of righteousness, what are we talking about? We're talking about a kingdom in which everything will be made right. See, there, there will be nothing wrong in that kingdom. Every wrong will be righted. All of the wrongs of history, all of the wrongs that we currently live with, they will not be a part of that future kingdom. Everything will be right. Oppression, injustice, inequality, none of those things will exist. None of those things will ever exist again. It is a kingdom of righteousness and it is established by Christ who is the righteous king. And Isaiah is the prophet that gives us the most detail about these things. So it's a kingdom of righteousness. Secondly, it's a kingdom of peace. Where the increase of his government, it says in Isaiah chapter nine, the increase of his government, the prince of peace, the increase of his government will, will have no end. So it will just continue to expand with no end ever. And it is a reign of peace. And then it is a kingdom of joy. A kingdom of joy. And in this word joy, you have implied happiness, contentment, fulfillment. All of these things are, are wrapped up in this idea of joy. Now, if you were to go out and do a survey, and I don't care where you go, any place in the world, you just go out and ask the one simple question, you know, what, what do you want more in life than anything else? Most people are going to answer with this same answer. Most people are going to say, well, I'd like to be happy. Now, happiness and joy are, are a little bit different. Joy is better because joy includes happiness and fulfillment and contentment. Happy, the just, you know, the reality of happy is it's fleeting. It's, it's based on circumstances, but joy goes beyond that. So joy is something greater. This is what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy. But this is something that man, even though this is the, the great quest of all humanity for all time, uh, we've never been able to attain it. We've never been able to find it. And of course, the biggest problem is because we try to find it apart from God who made us. And that's an impossibility. C.S. Lewis was absolutely right when he said this, human history is the long and terrible story of man trying to find something other than God that will make him happy. That's what history is. People are longing for a, a kingdom. They're longing for happiness and, and these things. But the, the tragedy, again, is that they're trying to find them apart from God. And it will never, ever be realized. It will always go in the same direction. But Christ, he has brought a kingdom 
that is a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy. And once again, we look to Isaiah in the 35th chapter, the 10th verse in Isaiah. This is what, how he described the future in relation to joy. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. That's where things are headed. That's where God plans to take the world when the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. So here's the thing as we close today. Here's the thing that we need to realize. That the kingdom that is coming has already come in one sense. You see, we, we wait for that kingdom that we've been talking about. We wait for the universal manifestation of it, but we can experience it personally and individually today. Because the passage that I used as our, our basis for looking at the kingdom, Romans 14, 17, Paul there says, for the kingdom of God, and he's speaking of the kingdom of God in its present manifestation, for the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. See, the present manifestation of the kingdom of God is in the life of individual Christians and in the life of the church collectively. So in our lives individually, we can experience the kingdom as we come under the lordship of Jesus, as he becomes the king of our lives. That's really what happens when we receive Christ. He becomes our king. And when he becomes our king, we enter the kingdom and we then experience that righteousness. We experience that peace. We experience that joy. That's in our own hearts. But then that reality manifest itself amongst us collectively as well. So you see the church, and it's interesting because the New Testament speaks of the church as the kingdom of God. So we're like the beginning of the kingdom. So the church ideally should be a place where there's righteousness, peace, and joy. That's what the church should be. And if for whatever reason that's not what it is, then we've missed the, the point somewhere and we need to figure that out. And, you know, it usually comes down to we just haven't really allowed Jesus to be the Lord of the church as he is supposed to be. But that's the truth of the matter. So the kingdom is already here, but yet it's still coming in its fullest manifestation in the future. And as we await the full manifestation of the kingdom, we have the opportunity to advance the kingdom in its present form. We have the opportunity to advance the kingdom in its present form. Now, make no mistake about it. The, the, the church is not responsible for establishing the kingdom of God on the earth. That's the responsibility of Jesus. He's going to come and do that. But in the meantime, until he comes to do that, we can advance the kingdom in the world today as we see 
other people brought under the lordship of Christ. So as we wait for the return of Jesus, we're to work toward the advancement of the kingdom while we wait for him. So here we are. We've experienced that, and God wants to use us to advance that. He wants to use us to spread that to the life of others. And so I want to leave you with this appeal today, the appeal to make sure you are as a subject of the kingdom. Make sure you are yielded to the king and allowing him to do in and through your life the things that he wants to do because he still wants to advance his kingdom further and further in the world before he comes to establish it in its universal sense. The Lord is moving today. He's marching on and he is saving people. That's how the kingdom expands, by people coming into the kingdom. The kingdom grows by new people being added to it, and God has called us, and he wants to use us to play a part in that. And you know, here's the amazing thing. You never know to what extent God might use you. You never know. He might use you in very... uh, humble ways where he's called you and and you're going to advance the kingdom, you know. The kingdom advances one soul at a time, one person coming to Christ. God might use you in humble ways to, you know, share with a few people in your life that are are going to come to him and you never know what's going to happen with their lives. You know, you might be the person that shares with somebody that's going to go on to radically advance the kingdom because that's the call of God on their life. And, you know, in the end, you're going to be a partaker of the fruit of that. But it's also possible that you might be a person that God's going to do something uh, through that's going to be uh, extraordinary. Extraordinary, not in the sense that you're, you're better than everybody else, but just extraordinary. You know, God has a different call on people's lives. And the important thing is that we're faithful to the call, whether it's to lead few to Christ or many, to influence few or many, God's called us all to something. But you never know. You never know what God's going to do. But we know that he's going to do something. The, The point is not how big or small it is. The point is that we faithfully do whatever it is that God has called us to do in regard to the advancing of his kingdom. And so we have the opportunity. Jesus is going to come. The kingdoms of this world are going to become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. But the kingdom has already come in one sense. And we are part of it. And part of our task is to advance it while we have the opportunity. So God help us to do that. And God help us to stay encouraged Because remember, the day is coming when the Lord God omnipotent will reign. The kingdoms of this world will be the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever. And there will be a shout of hallelujah. There shall be a shout of praise the Lord that will be heard throughout the universe and beyond. What a glorious day. 
For the month of July, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled The God I Won't Believe In, Facing Nine Common Barriers to Embracing Christianity by Nick Cady. How can we believe in a God who allows good people to die and let bad people live? How can we believe in a God who allows children to be abused without any earthly consequences? And if God is so good and loving, then why do bad things happen? Questions just like these are just some of the barriers that keep people from embracing Christianity. Maybe one of these questions is exactly what keeps you from embracing Christianity. Well, in his book, The God I Won't Believe In, Nick Cady addresses these and other topics that are hindering many today. If you want to challenge some of the most common barriers to Christianity in today's culture or face the barriers on your own, this book will help you understand what the Bible says about these and other topics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order The God I Won't Believe In by Nick Cady. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Revelation. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.